We are geek-centric, and you can be too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this star-studded episode of the Geek-Centric Podcast. My name is Kevin, and I can ensure you that today's show will be far more enjoyable than being stuck in a hotel room with Rudy Giuliani. In today's episode, (laughs) we discuss the idea that while we still can't quite visit Disney parks in person, there may be an alternative coming right to your living room. We look into warnings that the air around you might be getting very, very bent and we revel in our excitement for yet another DC reboot. Woo-hoo! But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is a weekly show covering the world of film, television, gaming, toys, and collectibles, and all things geek-centric. Joining me on the show, as always, we have the editor-in-chief of all things geek, J-Law. And, of course, he's sweet, he's sour, he could talk about whatcha for an hour, it's Nate. <laughs> You set the bar so high on our watch club that I had to, I really had to yeah. sit down and think about those for a while. So Oh yeah. <laughs> Kudos for that setting the bar so high. There you go. There you go. But honestly, if the, if rhyming if you want to have rhyming to your thing or whatever that was, that was uh that was awesome. I really enjoyed that. How are we doing, gentlemen? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm bit uh been a busy busy week uh just like with work and stuff. I don't know, man. I worked 6 days in a row, which is not a normal thing for me, so it was uh I was pretty exhausted by the end of it, but uh yeah, not too bad. I think there's a, a lot of that going around. Uh, J-Law, you've been busy these days? Oh, yeah, man. Just, uh, yeah, between uh, work and other stuff, it's, yeah, it's just been, it's been, it's been crazy. So I feel like it, uh, the time that I get to do these things and it's just like, it is like a moment of relaxation, even though it all requires work at the end of the day, but it's fun to do these things. So still an investment in passion, if you will. Sorry, some work's a little bit more enjoyable than uh, than others, right? Right, exactly. Uh, well, now, even though you've been busy, have you had a chance to sit down, a little time to yourself, relax, maybe watch something, mm-hmm. play a game? What you been up to? Uh, well, um, this week, yeah, you know, um, amongst working, I uh, actually found myself uh, enjoying uh, Disney Plus's new content. Uh, I don't know if you guys were aware, but uh, they launched Star, uh, which yes. is their oh, mature yeah. catalog of stuff. Um, and I think somehow Simpsons has now moved over there. Uh, I guess it just makes more, more sense. But like you find Simpsons in the star section now. I don't know. I- I'm finding that it's not so much like the adult section. It's kind mm. of anything that isn't like specifically on Disney brand, you know, any shows Absolutely. or that, movies yeah. that they weren't yeah. responsible for or doesn't sort of fit under that direct umbrella. They're sort of they've got Ex- this alternative option. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was actually going to say is that it 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 actually doesn't really feel like a mature content. It's just everything that they acquired through all of these acquisitions that's just not to your point on Disney brand. Um but yeah, I found I found that uh and uh this week I I I did it again, guys. I I watched some Nancy Myers. I I watched the back-to-back <laughs> Father of the Bride 1 and 2. Um I, I I did that and uh I've now journeyed down a vicious rabbit hole that is 24. Uh, they have the entire series on 
stars. So I'm I'm already oh, wow. into season two. I'm already into season two. I loved the show when I was in like high school, and it was like it was like one of my favorite shows. It's crazy to to be going through this experience again, and you know, still being surprised by things and and trying to remember other things uh, after not seeing the show for so many years. But yeah, it was like a ritual of mine. Every year I got that on on DVD and I would just plow through it. It was so addicting. Um, so yeah, I'm back. I'm, I'm down that rabbit hole. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get through all of these seasons and it's going to be disastrous for me. <laughs> well, it's only five or six days worth of adventure. You'll be fine. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure I'll stretch it out into like five or six weeks. I'll try to I'll try it. I don't know. I'm already into season two and season one was pretty easy to crush. It was a good season. So awesome. Awesome. All right, uh, Nate, how about yourself? Uh, you know, again, you're busy with work, but obviously we're all going to find some time to ourselves. Whatcha been up to lately? Yeah, Um. I mean, not a ton of watching. There's there's one thing that I watch that I, I will want to talk about. But just before I do, um, I've been playing uh, a lot of a game on Switch called Olija. Uh, it's it's done by Devolver Digital. It's it's a side-scrolling eight-bit adventure game uh, about a man named Faraday who is on a quest after being shipwrecked and trapped on the mysterious country uh, or in the mysterious country of Terraphage. Uh, which sounds like a bunch of words, but ultimately it's it's a side-scrolling action platforming game, uh, and it's really cool. There's this mechanic where you get a harpoon, uh, this legendary harpoon, and you can throw it and then call it back to you. Um, kind of like Kratos in, in God of War with, with the axe. Um, and it's really neat. Like you can use it for traversal in the game. Um, you can throw it, it gets stuck in something and then it, it pulls you towards it. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a really fun little game. It's, it's kind of short. Um, I'm already one third of the way through it, but, um, I definitely recommend it. I don't think it should be slept on at all. Uh, because it's, if you want something sort of short and sweet, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the way to go. Kind of like you short and sweet. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, I, I got a chance today actually, uh, before we started recording, um, I, you know, we're, we're going to talk into our topic of the show, um, a little bit later on about the, probably more of this, but, uh, I had a chance to watch Minari, uh, which is the A24 produ- produced film, uh, done by, mm. um, uh, Lee Isaac Chung and, uh, Steven Yoon. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, have you guys seen it yet? No, I, I mean not, I, that's actually. that's like that's one of the movies that I will a hundred percent be watching ASAP. So it's it's on the list. I feel like I know Justin's review already, but I'm really interested to see what what Kevin would think of the film. But I don't know. I I thought it was really really well done. It's it's an incredibly powerful look at uh, what it's like to be an immigrant family coming to America in the '80s. And um, you know, in the film, the, this family sort of they discover like this this resilience that a, that a family needs to really make it in the 80s uh, to make the American dream in the 80s, at least in Arkansas. Um, and the performances by Steven Yoon and uh, Han Yi Ri are excellent. Um, but the standout performances in this movie come from the oldest and youngest actors in the movie uh, with Yoon Yo Jung and Alan S. Kim, who play the grandma and grandson in the, in the film. Um, Yoon Yo Jung gives such a warm and unexpected performance in the film and of course i cried i cried so hard uh because you know what in its third act it it does such a really good job at making you feel the feelings that the family is going through but it's never like it's still a feel-good film like it never gets overtly depressing or dark 
you know how sometimes those movies, especially like, I'm sure, Kevin, your thoughts of A24 movies where it's just like, this looks slow and depressing and what have you. Like, I I'm going to have a miserable time at this movie. Yeah. No, yeah, but I don't think you're going to have it with, with this one. <laughs> right. Um, right. No, it, it I, overall, sounds a lot more uplifting. Yeah, and it's lovely and it's it's beautiful and it's very simple. That's the only that's the only thing that I've seen some people sort of say works for it and against it at the same time is just how simple the story is and how sort of it's just just, you know, it's not it's not going to overwhelm you with too much. I don't understand how anyone could say something works against something for being simple. I think it's 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 brilliant if it's the more simplistic it is and the more you know, powerful it is because to your point, that's, that's the beauty of this movie is that it, it's so simple that it focuses really on the relationships, the, the cultural boundaries. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's focusing on that. That's the focus. That's, that's the highlight of the movies, not necessarily the, the spectacle of the movie, right? It's the idea of the story. So it's, it's crazy that people would actually have anything negative to say about the simplicity of it being like a bad thing to it. I think what they're just referring to, though, is that just like, I don't know, it, it, it you know, I, I think people expect a lot to happen in in a two hour film. They expect a ton of storyline. And there, this just is really like it takes place over like the course of like, I don't know, maybe a month at the most, maybe not, maybe like a few weeks. It's really it's it's but again, fantastic movie. Please don't sleep on Minari. Okay, stop Please talking about Minari. it. Stop talking you can about it. it. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. it. Stop talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, you've already spoiled it enough. Jeez. Are you kidding I'm me? Well, into really, it now I'm already going to Really know. quickly then. I'm, no, I'm going to say, oh, his performance was great and all this and all that. <laughs> I don't think that's a spoiler. Can we talk about okay. this? Well, before you spoil too much, on a scale of one to five tiers, how good was it? Four out of five tiers. There we go. Four out of five oh, tiers. Four out of five tiers, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Gross. <laughs> can't believe it didn't get a full five tiers. What, what's, a fa- what's a full five tiers is what I want to know. Oh, my gosh. Don't Monsters tell me Moulin Inc. Rouge. Oh God! <laughs> I'm not going to admit that Monsters Inc. has made me cry in the past. All right, <laughs> Kev, what you been up to, bro? You've been, you've, I'm sure you've been busy. Uh yeah. I mean, uh, you know, with work and everything, and then uh, putting together a uh, a uh, video for the YouTube channel that uh, by the time this is posted will be up there. So go check it out, uh, especially if you're a fan of Wandavision. Ooh. Um, but yeah, uh, actually found a bit of time, stayed up way too late, too many nights, uh, watching a whole bunch of stuff. Um, uh, I've continued to do my due diligence and, uh, I'm, I'm sticking to it. I watched another episode of Snowpiercer. Um, we thank and you. honestly, it is we what it you. is. The show just takes itself too seriously. It's killing me. It just thinks it's so much better than it actually is. And I wish it just had a bit more fun with itself, and I think oh, no. it would it would it's, benefit. It's, from it doesn't seem to be Cobra Kaiing itself, right? Yeah, just embracing what it is and rolling with it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I know you had mentioned it in a, uh, a past um, conversation we had a week or two ago on one of the podcasts, uh, but that you wanted to check out Crime Scene: The Vanishing at the Hotel Cecil. Yes, yes, that was last week. Yes, so did you start so Sarah and I, Sarah and I jumped in and and we did another crime docu series. I don't know what it is with her and her murder shows, but it seems to be a common <laughs> uh, trait with people these days. Um, but it was very ho hum. Um, they they sort of focused on the element of how people on the internet influence the case, and um, I think oh. they just gave them too oh, much of a spotlight. They sort of were the the topic of the documentary instead of what is actually a very interesting 
uh, case of of somebody dying, and then in mm. a building that has a history of very interesting, you know, just deaths and 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 uh, different sorts of crimes and stuff. The hotel itself is the character, and I just wish they had focused yes. a bit more on that. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you're going to go watch a crime series on Netflix these days, watch Night Stalker, The Hunt for a Serial Killer about Richard Ramirez. It's the best one we've seen in years. So I definitely recommend that. We watched okay. that a few weeks ago. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. um, and then I think my big one was uh, Sarah and I finally just went like, you know, why don't we give this for all mankind a shot? Uh, and so that took us oh. three nights. Ooh. Yes. Okay. Uh, we loved it. Yeah, we were we were hooked. Really? Uh, a, yeah, yeah. I, I had a blast. Wow. I just think it's. I love wow. alternative histories, and so I just thought it was such a mm. fun spin on, you know, and a look at just what was going on in the world in the '60s and '70s, and you know yeah. how they were influenced by the actions on the show. I just thought that was a really cool premise. So, season two looks very interesting too, uh, in terms of. Uh, yeah, I, I don't generally look two? ahead, but uh, well, I mean, it, I didn't realize that season two came out like last week. So, what a perfect time to uh, get yeah. on board, you know? Yeah, no, I've I've really been looking forward to that as well. Like, I I know that a lot of I've had so many people recommend that I watch it, um, and it you know I've just sort of stayed away from it, but because I've heard that it it kind of slows down a little bit too much. Did you find that to be the case? Um, I think there's, I, I mean, there's, there's two very different elements sort of working together on the show. And I just think that, uh, um, the, the human drama doesn't slow, it, it's nicely balanced with the more action adventure side. Uh, but even in that portion, I, I don't want to say too, too much about it, but you know, in the, in the sort of space side of things, there's still a very human element to it. And that's not to say that the, the, the human earth drama side of it doesn't have its own sort of turmoil and and sort of action going on itself so i, I agree with you though kev I, I enjoy the alt history aspect of uh of the of the show that's why i was really drawn into it like you know the way things play out aren't exactly or in any way how they played out during that time so it's just it's it's interesting to see that perspective in a big what if if you will um if, yes if it was oh yeah absolutely so. it's, you know yeah it's like a teaser for marvel's show coming up you know uh yeah i'm uh, I, I am definitely excited to jump into season two though i really uh dug that first season can't wait to see where they're going to go next because they've already done so much in the first season. But uh, before we jump on to the news of the show, I did want to say that uh, I always have a show that I sort of throw in the background while I'm working during the day. I just like noise as a distraction. Um, And uh, usually I put on a show I've binge watched two or three times before. But uh, after watching the first five episodes of this show, I decided I could throw it on in the background and probably wouldn't miss much. Uh, and that would be Superstore. Um, <laughs> I've, I have not been... I was not blown away by that one. Okay, but hang on a second, Kevin, because you, 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 you speak the truth more than ever about how The Office is you have to get past that first season. I'm on you season five. all the time. You're on season five of Superstore? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you said five episodes. Sorry. Five seasons. No, no, no. no okay. I, Never mind. I you realized like after five episodes <laughs> that it wasn't going to do it for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm already on season five because I can get through a season a day if, you know, on an eight hour for day. Sure. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, 
it's not up to the the standards of, of sitcom course. I that never I, said yeah. it was. No, oh, I'm not. I'm not was. saying yeah. you did, but I had it recommended from several people <laughs> who made it out to be the next oh, Office or okay. the next this. Oh, no, 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 no. You can no, you no. can be hard on him. You totally were making it seem like it was like a godsend. I was to sit, no, I was television. Absolutely no, not. Right, thank you for jumping in, Justin. Thank uh, you. Yeah. I thought so. I, I, I thought so. I just didn't want to be that guy again. Okay, let's move on before Nate spoils any more of Minari. <laughs> I guess while that show isn't shocking or uh, you know very uh, uh, intriguing, uh, a lot of stories came out over the last week uh, that I'd love to talk about. So why don't we jump right into the news? It's all about the details. In our first story, Disney is teaming up with Battlestar Galactica's Ronald D. Moore to develop a Magic Kingdom TV universe. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Moore has been enlisted to build out the Magic Kingdom TV universe, starting with The Society of Explorers and Adventurers, which Moore will write and executive produce for Disney Plus and 20th Television. The series will reportedly take place in a world where all the themed lands and characters of the Disney parks and classic films actually exist in another reality. Moore is said to be working in close collaboration with the Disney Imagineering team, the group that is responsible for creating and designing thousands of rides, attractions, and resorts across Disney theme parks. They will work together to push the first project out of the turnstiles and onto Disney+, Plus, which could end up playing host to the potential franchise if the first show proves to be a success. Uh, guys, we're obviously big fans of all things Disney, uh, mm-hmm. including the parks themselves. So what are our initial thoughts about this uh, announcement? Just. It, it kind of sounds like a night at the museum. Maybe, right? Like, you know, yeah. I don't know. It depends, though. I, I think that they're probably obviously going to bring more life and, and a little less, uh, you know, theatricality to the idea that these these parks and things are coming to life. But just the concept of it kind of sounds like, you know, a night at the museum, if you will, you know, uh, an evening at the Magic Kingdom, if you will, you know, so I, I'm interested. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to see how they how they're able to translate and, and bring uh, some of the the uh, whimsy of the park to life in a, in a in an interesting way. Yeah, in my mind, though, I don't know, Justin, I, I didn't really get that it's like the park closes and then, you know, this alternate world comes to life. Like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of got more the idea of like kind of what they what ABC has already tried to do with with Once Upon a Time, uh, which mm-hmm. I did not. I was such oh, a, a yeah, greatest, I mean, right? So A, that was like fairy tales, right? And yeah. that was like a, 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 a Sunday night soap opera. I don't think they're going to go for <laughs> that vibe with this, or at least I Hopefully hope they not. don't. Like yeah. I, I'm actually devastated because, you know, when you you do like a garage pitch and you 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 know you you come up with an idea and you joke around with some friends about it. And a few years ago, I I wanted so you've got a castle in the middle of this mysterious land and the princess goes missing, and you know a peasant from the outs outside of the castle in one of the nearby villages goes to try and find the princess, goes on an adventure through all these different lands, a frontier land you know, a, a, a more jungle-themed adventure land and, That's like, cool. would have to sort of get, get through the obstacles of the rides as he was on this adventure mm. looking for this princess. He, there was a haunted house somewhere, you know. And then all of a sudden, the Jungle Cruise movie got announced with The Rock, and I was like, right. well, they're starting to do that one. They're going to just do yeah. each ride, so I'll, I'll scrap that idea. But this sounds very much like that, so as upset mm. as I am that I didn't do the idea myself, I'm kind of excited. <laughs> 
I mean, I could still. I don't think they're gonna like take the the Star Wars approach or the MCU approach of like this this continuity between that movie with Dwayne the Rock Johnson, right? Like, I could still totally see an awesome moment where you know he has to the, the main character has to get on a boat, and then there's just this quirky driver of the boat like taking him through the jungle. Like, I think I think they could totally still still rock that and uh, and keep it fresh and exciting without having to necessarily bring in all those films or i mean or maybe you do crossover maybe you do get dwayne the rock johnson well, yeah got i the money doubt for it. that well it's interesting too because they in the like right in the headline it's it's battlestar galactica rod Moore to develop magic kingdom tv universe so the this impl- right. implies that this isn't just a show this could be you know multiple shows uh that will kind of you know to, to the point of what we're discussing here, kind of encompass all of the sort of quirkiness and the, you know, whimsicalness of, of the Magic Kingdom in, in this sort of representation of this this series. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how it translates. It's it's definitely an interesting concept to try to take, like, thematic elements from the park and the ride and, and materialize them into a story. Like, I think that's what's so interesting about Jungle Cruise, right? It's, it's you know, like, what's that film going to look like? Uh, so, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. The whole fact of it being a, what you said, Magic Kingdom TV universe, mm-hmm. like clearly they're they're doing this better than like what, for instance, like the Mortal Kombat movie is doing where they're throwing it all into one movie. This is great because okay. this will allow you to really build okay. up each each land, each storyline, and then have it culminate in this giant tournament, you know, where they Disney did- World. <laughs> no, it's imagine, the, the, you know, the, the movie or the, the series is called Disney World or I don't know, something like that. I don't know. That would be really cool. Yeah, I like. I feel like it's 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 all about the slow burn for Nate. <laughs> yes, hundred percent. That's Everything the whole point of TV. Everything has to be five movies or five. The or whole point of TV is to stretch it like, out. I, That's great. Yeah, but my thing is too is that if they again, if it's TV, to your point, Nate, how far they can they really stretch it? Right. Like I also believe, and I think I've said this before, they have the idea of how many seasons they want to do to tell their story. So that will right. be the interesting piece here. It's like, is he developing something for a five season run that will you know help fill out this universe, and then after that he's gonna throw to the wind and whoever wants to come in and step in next to kind of take on other aspects of it who knows right like is he laying the groundwork for what will be inevitably the much larger universe of of the magic kingdom series right so well and in addition to i mean we don't know what the show's going to be yet but uh it is kind of nice to see you know even though it's technically based on existing disney material it's kind of almost like the first Disney Plus project that's its own thing, like either its own original story or not Star Wars or Marvel. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's right. sort of. Yeah. So it's nice to see something a little bit different, you know? Right, 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 right. Fair point. Um, but uh, from uh, a show based on a new concept to a show uh, based on an older concept coming back for more. Uh, According to Luke Riley at IGN, Nickelodeon has announced the launch of a new division dedicated to creating new series and movies based in the world of Avatar, The Last Airbender. 
and yeah. The Legend of Korra. The division will be called Avatar Studios and will be led by original creators and executive producers Michael DiMartino and Brian Konetsko. Mm-hmm. Avatar Studios uh, uh, will uh, debut on Paramount Plus, Nickelodeon platforms, and unspecified third-party platforms, as well as in cinemas. Uh, mm-hmm. The first project for Avatar Studios is set to be uh, an animated theatrical film. No further details will, were revealed, but the project is scheduled to begin production this year. Uh, in a joint statement released alongside the announcement, uh, Kinetsko and DiMartino said, it's hard to believe it's been 19 years since we created Avatar The Last Airbender, but even after all that time, there are still many stories and time periods in Aang's world that we are eager to bring to life. We're fortunate to have an ever-growing community of passionate fans that enjoy exploring the Avatarverse as much as we do. Um... So, as someone who hasn't seen any of the original animated series, I was almost hoping the project would kind of be a a reboot to help introduce Mm. new audiences such as myself into the world, uh, you know, without having to watch the previous 126 episodes of the show. Uh, But, Nate, I know you're a fan of the existing content, uh, so I'm going to start with you on this one. What are your thoughts? You know, after the the Netflix, uh, you know, the original creators leaving the Netflix series... I, uh, you know, that was pretty disappointing. It was kind of a hard blow after already kind of, you know, really, really hoping for an Avatar movie and then having that M. Night Shyamalan debacle that, that was released, <laughs> um, which I'm not going to, I could, that could open up a whole other can of worms. So I'm not going to get into that. But, um, but no, this, this series is my favorite animated series of all time, uh, specifically Avatar The Last Airbender. The Legend of Korra, which is the spinoff series, is absolutely fantastic as well as far as animated series go, but it can't live up to the original. So it makes me really happy to hear that quote uh, at the end that you read there where they, it sounds like they are going to be focusing maybe a little bit more on on Aang. Um, Kevin, I'll tell you, like, honestly, it's an easy watch uh, for this show. Um, you know, it's 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 20-minute episodes. Um, you can get through. It's only three seasons. And it's kind of nice because it fits perfectly in three seasons. Like, to the point where, yes, I do want to see more now that it's been so long, but while I was watching it, when it was the only content available, it did feel like, okay, this is a good, at least, stopping point for the moment uh, before Korra came into the picture. But um, but no, honestly, if, if this is more stories, because they have so much content to build out from. They've got a lot of comic books, um, a lot of different things like that. But, I mean, Kevin, if you, if you like you know, uh, a fantasy series that is going to build the world by showing you more of the world rather than telling you about it. This is a great series. And it it starts off feeling like a very kid show, but it, it grows up with its audience in, in a short time span of three seasons. And I promise you, you're gonna really dig it. If you get into the if you get into the lore and you get into the some of the creature work in it, like some of the best sort of um, imaginations, I would say, from from anyone that I've seen. I, I up there with Star Wars, in my opinion. Oh wow. From a that's standpoint of right. And I, my voice cracked when I said it because I was nervous <laughs> that George Lucas was gonna come and uh, take me or, or use some special effects to take me up. But um, but no, it was uh, it honestly it the storytelling is so good, which makes me so happy that this is a studio and and they're gonna start with a movie, but they're gonna follow it up with more series. Um, I just can't wait to see where they take it. I'm surprised that they're they're going to start with a an animated like I, I feel like I guess because the live action is is going to be hitting Netflix that whatever they're doing yeah. with that and if obviously if the creators left uh, I think a lot of fans to your point are not going to want to really stick around to see what that's really all about like they'll check it out but then they'll see the faults in it because 
you know what what it what it could have been if the creators were sticking around to to actually invest the time to put it together. But I wonder if that project is even I mean, I know they kind of have already started on it. There's already some sets that have been built and stuff like that, but I just I wonder if that's going to fall through or if maybe it, it it might get adopted and then like sort of shelved even longer and and the and then, you know, put into this Avatar Studio because, you know, with if you have these creators that they're like, you know what? Creative differences, Netflix. Sorry, peace out. I'm leaving. We're leaving. And then they do this. So the fact that this is going through Paramount Plus is sort of a slap in the face to Netflix, because uh, I'm sure that, that whatever happened was not the greatest. Well, yeah, let's put let, like, you know, Avatar aired, I think, for the first time on Nickelodeon. Did it not? On, on yes. Was it Nickelodeon yep. cartoon? Paramount owns yep. Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon is right. creating a whole bunch of original content for their Paramount Plus, and it only makes mm-hmm. sense. I, I'm I'm wondering if part of the reason why they left because of creative differences was because they were offered a better deal, right? They were offered a better deal, and the only reason they were able to just say, okay, well, we're not going to attach our name to this because we're going to go over here to Paramount Plus. And they're going to give yeah. us everything we want, so we'll just we'll just remove ourselves from from the equation, just walk away from it, right? So, and 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 who knows if it's you know a financial thing or if it's you know like a creative control or a vision sort of idea, right? For them, because they do go on to say uh, we're excited to be back at Nickelodeon where Avatar began. So yeah. obviously they you know they they know what kind of relationship to expect, and so maybe Netflix just wasn't allowing them to do the th- you know and they they just pulled an edgar wright and and walked off you know definitely exciting times ahead for avatar fans uh but while one series is is uh getting brought back to life uh in a way another series uh of the cinematic kind is getting another reboot uh chris and <laughs> Inve- uh evangelista from slash film uh, says that a new Superman reboot is headed to the screen courtesy of acclaimed writer uh, Tanahishi Coates and producer J.J. Abrams. Uh, Coates, author of Between the World and Me and We Were Eight Years in Power, an American Tragedy, uh, also a writer for the New York Times Magazine and the Washington Post, and the writer on acclaimed comic runs of Black Panther and Captain America, said he looks forward to meaningfully adding to the legacy of America's most iconic mythic hero. J.J. Abrams said of the project, there's a new and powerful moving Superman story yet to be told. We couldn't be more thrilled to be working with the brilliant Mr. Coates to help bring that story to the big screen. And we're beyond thankful for the team at Warner Brothers for the opportunity. Uh, The question we have to ask now is, will this be a complete reboot of Superman featuring a brand new actor? Uh, Deadline reports that current Superman Henry Cavill is eager to play the role again, but apparently the search for an actor to play Kal-El Superman hasn't started yet, which might imply Cavill is out. Um, uh, One more additional note comes from the Hollywood reporter's uh, Boris Kitt, uh, who sheds light on the matter uh, of casting, suggesting uh, that audiences may be introduced to a black Superman. That is the intent and something that the studio has been trying to find a way in for months, if not a year or two. Uh, in the past, it was reported that a Superman movie starring Michael B. Jordan was being considered, yeah. uh, and that's certainly a pretty cool choice. So uh, 
Jayla, I think of the three of us, you're certainly the most forgiving of DC's somewhat failed attempts at universe building. Um, oh, but so, you know, you're, you'll be the most enthusiastic about, you know, yet another reboot in the DC-verse. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the idea of another iteration of the Superman character? And how would you feel about them casting Michael B. Jordan? Would you have another suggestion? Like, what are your thoughts overall on what we're hearing so far? I'm for it, man. I think, you know, you have Mr. Coates uh on on this project who has a very rich history as a writer uh and and a part of the you know black lives matter movement has written in support of it and and uh you know jj abrams behind it who's always out to kind of push new ideas Uh, i think there's it's already here this is a story about uh, a black superman i just feel like it's a they don't want to necessarily say that because I feel like they need to go through the process of ensuring that they can get the right actor. Uh, they, they, they want to tell the right story. Who knows where they are really in the process of story. It could just be an outline and there hasn't really been this sort of full-fledged script that's been presented. Um, so that that I feel like will, will dictate which way the studio wants to go. And the fact that the studio is so supportive of the idea of, of having a black Superman uh, represented, I think I think this is our first sort of uh, hint at, at that and I, I would be really excited to see someone like Michael B. Jordan uh, don the the Superman cape and uh, you know tell a different story it would kind of be because I don't know if they did it in the comics I, I, I that part I don't know but um, I, I'm sure you guys are aware of of Red Sun which was you know the alternate depiction uh, like a what if story for, yeah. for Superman if he landed in Russia not in the United Russia, States yeah. and, and what that would look like um, yeah that's my favorite graphic novel ever I love yeah, that yeah yeah and and the, dude it's it's it was it's literally one of the best just because of how alternative it is from the actual source material uh, of of Superman and his his history so I feel like this could be that um, and especially if you get a good a list actor black actor to represent superman uh and be the new kal-el you'll have it'll 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 hit it out of the park there's this will destroy it so yeah i mean like i think i you know i i love uh miles morales and i think i think at this point more than ever i think superman is due for for you know for to have some someone you know a different perspective for superman and it's certainly a good way to get a, a, a new story out of, you know, you take the same sort of premise and you just, you can give it a fresh new face, but like just a, a, a new perspective to tell, you know, this character's sort of journey. And so I think, I think it's, yeah, I'm all for it. And There's at least of... it's not just another reboot where it's different people doing the exact same thing, you know? Well, there's a lot of symbolism too, right? Because like, obviously, you know, Superman being white, coming from another planet, not feeling like it's his home, you know, that in in many ways, you know, and the struggle of trying to, you know, be human, but not, you know, and and embrace his powers. It's it's kind of like, there's a lot of work that's already there that can be implied and layered in with, with a black representation as well, right? Like, you know, so I feel like there's, there's, there's a levity to that story that can be that can be added so i'm interested it's in in many cases if it's a reboot you know i don't need to see like him with batman and and stuff like that this could be like a robert pattinson kind of thing where it's like its own offshoot story of another iteration of superman rather than building some massive dcu where you know you have black wonder woman and black batman and you know what i mean like it's just you know you could you could do something like that but at the end of the day it's like you know, then you're just really 
hooking in this idea of like racially changing your characters rather than focusing on one character and the significance of that one character uh it, it, that that sort of implication of that so i i, I don't know it, it would be interesting to see either way yeah or, or even just even just sort of finding existing stories of perhaps um black superheroes mm-hmm. uh and and i know that that's that's a something that's un- underrepresented in the comic book world um but you know find those stories and and maybe uh you know try and get those to resonate right right like i'm i'm a, i'm fine with this idea but like you said just instead of just doing it for the sake of doing it there i'm sure or you know it maybe this encourages you know people to write these stories that haven't been told yet who knows right exactly uh, but that was uh, sort of a theme on Sunday night for the Golden Globes as well. So I think this might be uh, as good a time as any to jump into our topic of the show. Well, they certainly rolled out the red carpets this weekend, or at least the digital red carpets. Uh, This past Sunday, a sense of normalcy returned to Hollywood as the Golden Globes Awards show took place. Um, Now, obviously, with COVID-19 restrictions still very much in place, it was interesting to see how the show was conducted. Uh, I thought it presented a pretty big challenge, and they did the best they could. I mean... You know, um, it was almost like your grandmother who barely knows how to to operate Zoom came up with some of the concepts they went with. But, uh, you know, before we get into like really specifics, um, we'll start from the top. The goal, uh, they decided to beam in their hosts, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler from opposite coasts. Um, Fey was at uh, the Beverly Hilton. Poehler was at the Rainbow Room in Manhattan. Uh, And they went with a split screen presentation um that would sort of tease uh what we were in store for for the rest of the evening which was an awkward glitchy display that still managed to entertain uh if not always for the intended reasons but so again uh why don't we uh just jump right in what were some of your initial thoughts on the show in general given the circumstances just in terms of how they had to use you know technology instead of having everyone in the same room and everything like that uh what did we think yeah, I think uh, in terms of like a streaming award show, it was okay. There was that joke that they kept making, like this could have been an email, and yeah, it probably could have just <laughs> yeah. been an email, right? So, um, or it could have just been a pre-recorded event where all the people that knew that they were going to win were already given the awards in advance, and it, you know, it was just pre-recorded with top secret, whatever. Uh, I appreciated the fact that they tried to implement something that is very real that so many of their you know viewers are dealing with it in, in, whether it be in work or social situations or or life and they they had the actual technical glitches of like people maybe speaking on mute or whoever's yes. running doing the run of show maybe not unmuting the person that won or muting the unmuting the wrong person like like i i'm sure like there was just it was like i don't even know how you would test trial this right like you get everyone on right but what was really interesting too is like as you know when they went to commercial break how they would show like the screens and all the people were on it and then they'd say you know nominees for best actor are gearing up right after this commercial break you see them like all trying to awkwardly talk to each other and like banter as they're in their green room if you will before they're you know before after the commercial break when yeah they're, they're given the awards so but they were cutting each other off they were you know they would 
stop mid-sentence and not even finish what they were saying. It was so clumsy. It was the worst part of the show, in my opinion. Of course, yeah. And it's like recording this podcast through FaceTime. It's just mad lag and delay, right? So, yeah. yeah so, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure when they cut away to the group of, of actors, at one point, I'm pretty sure uh, Al Pacino was just asleep. Al, he was just, I he have a note right that asleep. Pacino was 100% asleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought that the, the uh, like, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler were obviously the best part of of the Golden Globes. I thought, uh, I loved seeing the split screen gag. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that was well done. Um, yeah, like a very I love how they, they had the first responders and essential workers in the audience. I thought that was so cool. I thought that cool. was a really great idea. Yeah, good call on right? that. And that, but at the same time, like they called it out, right? They're just like, "So you're here, so all the celebrities can stay safe at home." And it's just like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, that's that's a very true and harsh reality." But um, the way that in their in their monologue, the way they dissected the differences between TV and movies, I thought was so good. Like talking about binging TV and saying how, like, you know, I don't want to sit in front of my screen for two hours, but I do want to sit in front of my TV for one hour five times. Like, it's yeah, it's so, so spot on. I won't watch The Irishman because it's too long, but I'll watch five. <laughs> straight episodes for all of for all mankind no problem yeah, yeah. you know it's <laughs> exactly. ridiculous it's ridiculous and then like all throughout the night i thought you know calling out the hollywood for hollywood foreign press for their lack of racial diversity um the sort of straight like the the moment where they sort of all stood on the stage and addressed it was was interesting like i, I mean again it's good that they're addressing it um but it just there were so many moments that just sort of were a, like a little bit weird and, and also just like there were so many snubs and, and, and some of the movies being um, in certain categories, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. But yeah, I, I think that this was this is kind of the touchy point, because obviously behind the scenes and, and, and I, I didn't realize this, but news has been breaking that, you know, there's been discussions of, you know, with the Hollywood foreign press behind the scenes about, you know, how these awards were people were nominated and, and so on. There's there's this whole thing. So it's really strange. But like, you know, I think within the first two awards that were won, we saw Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. He won for Best Supporting Actor, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, obviously, you know, Best Director towards the end, you know, we had our first Asian American uh, or full Asian, I think she is, right? Uh, you know, and female win. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I get that there was probably in the, you know, diversity of, of who was nominated and represented, but like wh- where when winners are, are you know, selected, you know, I feel like that to me is also just as important as just the nominees, right? Like it's like, you know, it's not a whole bunch of white people won, right? Or, you know, the director's category had actual females in it. Do you know what I mean? Like the Oscars only did that, I've only done that a handful of times. And even last year, there were more female directors that, and they, they were all snubbed. So it's it's yeah. it's interesting to see. Mm. Yeah, it's I just think I think the snubbing came in the nomination process. Yes. Um. And and you know, but not in the awards uh, department. I think there was a yes. lot of really great representation in the winners. Um. You yeah. know, it just I think that I think the issue is, you know, the the nomination pool itself um, was lacking and. Um, and I think that certainly it makes sense when you look at who's making the nominations, perhaps. And so sure. I think you have to start from the the ground up to make that kind right. of change, I think. so. I just feel like it really comes down to what categories and how many people are nominated per category, right? Like when you look at Oscars, it's like what? Directors are like five, right? Like five directors are, are usually yeah. nominated for in the Oscars. Here you have maybe close to 10 because there's two categories, best drama, and best comedy and musical, right? Like there's, you know, they they split that. 
you can look at some of the categories, like you said, Nate, um, you know, and why is music, you know, a, a very controversial movie that uh, has a lot of, has gained a lot of ire from people. Why is a movie like that, you know, a movie like that being nominated is certainly a, a, a point of contention that can be made. But when you look at a lot of these, say, actor, actresses, director categories, who are you taking out? Who are you saying isn't deserving of the nomination they received? I mean, I think the, you, you said it, Justin, there might be 10 terrific performances and you can only pick five. So, you know, it, it's tough to sort of how do you justify that narrowing that down and who do you take off these these lists of all these deserved performances, in my opinion? Yeah. And it was it was crazy to see. Um, like, I mean, again, there were so many awkward moments throughout the entire thing. But the fact that like Sia was was you know, supposedly in the audience and, you know, Tina Fey and, uh, you know, the I, I, listen, kudos to them. The ball's on them to 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 call out uh, the movie and, and talk and bring bring forth how, you know, just how, um, you know, it, it, the movie is, is so tr- like troubling. And so, you know, there's so many issues with it. And with them in the audience, like it was just like, well, yeah. now now by audience, do you mean on their webcam? Sure. Yeah. Right. Sure. Because like, I mean, the Globes have kind of gotten this reputation, especially after Ricky Gervais did it five times and he oh, held the no punches and he did it 10 feet away from people. Yeah. Yeah, in true. the same yeah. room, you know, it's yeah. a lot easier, you know, look at internet and bullying culture. It's a lot easier <laughs> sure. to say something from behind your keyboard than it is, you know. And I think some of the speeches uh, were pretty well done in that regard as well. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, we'll get into some of those perhaps when we talk about actual awards and everything. But uh, yeah, I, th- I thought there was a lot of really good commentary done throughout the evening. And so I would say that positively outweighed the the negative aspects of of you know certain things especially the flawed technical issues which i think are were completely understandable and kind of made for a funny awkward evening you know it sort of gave it a different sort of personality than just any other globe show um now uh i have a bunch of like tiny little highlights but i wanted to see if there were any specific lines of dialogue any anything that sort of stood out for you uh throughout the evening i know we've mentioned a few but two two things that i would say were huge standouts first was 100 percent when they were interviewing those kids and they were answering like wrong answers for everything it was like kids say the darndest thing and it was just like sometimes it was like i i, I remember watching it and just thinking like they're kind of making these kids look stupid Right. Like, you know, like they're making them. But then I was like, what's the punchline? Like, what is the punchline? And then it gets to the end and they're asking him, you know, who is Black Panther? You know, and they're either saying Chadwick Boseman or who's Chadwick Boseman? He's Black Panther. Like to me, that like that made it all worth it. Right. Like it's the fact that all of those kids didn't know a single answer to any of his other questions, but they knew that. What a great way to pay respects to 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 him, uh, and, and and you know just to see his legacy of what he's impacted in these in these kids' lives. It was it was fantastic. I thought that was a great little bit. Yeah, like that that moment sort of goes hand in hand with uh, Taylor Simone Ledward, uh, Chadwick Boseman's wife, acceptance yeah. speech and talking about how the key now is to to keep that memory alive and and it and that. The bit with the kids there just shows how much of an impact he made with that performance and how and not just because he was a cool superhero, but because of what 
it meant to see somebody with that much power and and just grace and and poise and and it really and it's a wicked when you know the man himself it's just such a perfect embodiment if that's what he's going to be remembered for it's going to be so much more than a superhero it's what that superhero represents it's awesome it's awesome that was definitely i think the most important thing the only other thing that i would say was a real highlight was uh uh tracy morgan somehow messing up soul <laughs> with sow or he's like sow i don't know I if he was said, trying to be i think he said south or something or well he, he said maybe he thought he was reading south he said so he po- he posted on twitter because i went on twitter right away and i was like yeah i was yeah. like tracy morgan you're a beautiful sow and uh yeah. he, i looked on his twitter and it was uh oh i was thinking of sal's pizza that i was gonna get on on my way home <laughs> And I was of like, was. oh, okay. I hope uh, it was delicious. Well, yeah. uh, Sudeikis made a similar joke. Like, that was the only leading into commercial with the five nominees that was sort of funny because they were all just riffing on him for it. And, yes. And Sudeikis yeah, yeah. said, uh, oh, like Soul's Pizzeria, you know? <laughs> oh, <swapping>. wow. Yeah. <laughs> and awesome. I mean, like, we have to, if we're going to talk about standout moments in terms of dialogue or speeches or lines, like Sasha Baron Cohen's speech. When he when he just talks about Rudy Giuliani and and the the comedic hits that he went on to do, yeah. uh, Four Seasons Landscaping, Hair Dye Another Day, <laughs> and the courtroom drama, A Very Public Fart, like yeah, yeah. so, <laughs> and the, just he delivers it so perfectly, like he's so serious about it, and 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 just when he's like when he opens with just like I want to thank the the fifty white people or whatever at the Hollywood Foreign Press. Yeah, I know his speech was scathing and. Uh... I mean, I was happy to see, I, I mean, I'll get into the fact that he won and what for uh, in, in a bit here. But, uh, you know, he won twice and I was so disappointed when he didn't have a second, you know, sort of little bit to, to run off. It was very straightforward, the second one. But uh, no, that first one was definitely the, definitely the best uh, acceptance speech, I think. Uh, and then even uh, Rosamund Pike sort of jumped onto the bandwagon too. She had, you know, a standout line in her... Uh, you know, uh, in congratulating Maria Bakla, uh, Baklava for, uh, you know, you did the toughest. I scaled down a mountain, but you were a ro- alone in a room with Rudy Giuliani. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. thank you. You know, I think what was interesting, too, about some of the speeches is just the amount of um, activism and awareness that a lot of people still took to the forefront because you, you realize you know these actors feel like you know they're in the forefront uh you know people know them and and whatnot so when they have that time you know they they sean penn it or joaquin phoenix it you know and they they talk about all sure. that stuff so you know and mark ruffalo was no different i was glad to see him win a golden globe but he definitely took the opportunity to talk about what mattered to him uh you know i think jane fonda did as well um but yeah, I think it, I think it was still like some of them were really, really good. Some of them were a little over the top. And I think to your point, as we were discussing with Sasha and Rosamund Pike, you know, they did it more subtly and, and more tongue in cheek in a way to kind of comment on the on the current situation. Yeah, they got their message across without almost coming off preachy. Yes. Exactly. Right. I mean, and, and so I, you did mention Joaquin, who is very much the using the microphone and the acceptance speech as a platform for a cause. Uh, so I yeah. loved when he came out and Amy Poehler, uh, you know, called and here's a former musketeer and all around silly Billy. And just his look <laughs> at her was so like, oh, you did not. So good. <laughs> so good. Oh, they were great. Let's have them back next year. Yeah, I know. I thought they did a great job at, at, given the yeah. circumstances. Oh, um, now. 
we've already, uh, you know, at least from my perspective, mentioned uh, in terms of the worst part of the evening, uh, the technical glitches, but specifically just the, the the commercial breaks and everything. Was there anything else that sort of gave you a cringe, Nate? I mean, listen, Kevin, if you want to keep talking for under a minute and I'll just start playing the worst walk-off music that you can't even hear because you're on you're you're on a Zoom call. Yeah. Like this is it was why every single time is it automatic? Like do they not have a way to turn that off? Like it just seemed like there were there were only a few speeches thank goodness based off of who was giving them that they didn't do that but but there were some moments where i counted it's like you get 30 seconds to say your thing and yeah listen i get it the show's already four hours long i i totally understand you want to keep things brief and short but you know what like the whole point is to give these people their awards and give them their time to speak that's the whole point of this so as much as i love those digital you know comedy shorts that they did or even some of the funny things that they did with you know keenan and, and maya rudolph coming on the stage like you know what make that shorter make that even 30 seconds or, or a minute shorter if it means other people get a chance to speak more hey, that was my cringe thing was that whole bit with Maya Rudolph and and thing I, I love them they're great <laughs> but I just I didn't I didn't like that bit I thought it was unnecessary and it was just uh, you know yeah. they're in New York and you know Saturday Night Live is shot down the street hey why don't we get these guys come in for a night it was it was better than 90% of an anything on an a typical SNL episode, but it still wasn't good enough to justify being five minutes long when, right. as you said, you're cutting right. off people who've worked for this moment, right? Maybe their 100%. whole lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But and, the, and they get cut off. Yeah, but speaking of walk-off music, I, the, the worst acceptance speech, unfortunately, because I understood where they were going with it, but it, it was a failed attempt at it because the, the guy didn't know what he was doing. But when Catherine O'Hara... Oh yeah, uh, and her hubby's playing the you know the laugh track really loud, and it you know didn't. I didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, I figured I got it. He was supposed to be laughing when she was telling a joke, and then he was playing music to play her off. But it was just a, a botched attempt at, at a good idea. I think. Like I thought that he, I thought they were watching the stream on their phone. And so I thought like it was like delayed or something. And so they were hearing the reaction of the, the stream through their phone. And it was coming. I was like, did he like turn off your phone? What yeah, are you doing? That's, but, that's what but it, it sounded like. like a bit. Yeah, but yeah. it was a bit and it didn't it didn't it didn't land. And, uh, you know, but again, what, I, I was happy that she won. But as, as a bit of a side note, I'm sure you're not. This isn't in your 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 topic for Golden Globes. But let's let's just take a quick second here to chat about some of the fashion attire that was featured. <laughs> on on some of these zooms. So first, I, I love that Jodie Foster was in like some sort of like high elegant pajamas, like just like she, oh, yeah. her and her wife, the like thousand they looked, thread count pajamas. For <laughs> they sure. looked like, so just... comfy with their dogs <laughs> and like really setting that home cute. precedence. But then you got like someone like Anya Taylor Joy, who goes like full ball gown, like her hair looked ele like she had a photo shoot happening. I wonder if if the Globes like arranged that like, you know, for her so that like, you know, they could have some documentation and some Twitter stuff like stuff. And for Justin, social, I, I'm so. wondering I'm wondering if Anya Taylor Joy, if that's just what she looks like all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like those are her pajamas. Like, <laughs> that's how she know. goes to the grocery yeah, store. She, yeah, it did right? look like a nighty. It did look like a nighty. I'll, tell, yeah. I'll give you that. So and then like no, Jason Sudeikis is like is like tie dye like sweater. Like I loved how Tina Fey pointed it out. It's like yeah. it, go to nbc.com to purchase yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. i tried to buy it i tried to buy it i want it it looks <laughs> yeah. great no yeah i just i think they said do whatever you want and i think a lot of them you know 
like Sorkin in his gorgeous museum like living room, you know. <laughs> of course he's got like a fancy gramophone in the background, like, you know. But yeah, I thought the fashion yeah. was really interesting. But I, I think best outfit would have to go to uh um Bill Murray for his Hawaiian shirt. Guy looked like he just got off like a cruise. Uh, oh, he was on he was probably in Hawaii somewhere, just on you know, he was on a vacation. Like I felt bad. You know, here he is living the life, sipping a margarita outside in a Hawaiian shirt in the very same category in a couple a couple Zoom screens over is Andy Samberg and his wife dressed up in a tux and a beautiful gown with a velvet curtain that they clearly like rented and had brought in, you know, and I just thought right. that's and, such and a their movie and their movie was Palm Springs. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. they could have arranged and it would have worked. <laughs> yeah, the irony. But I also I also just got to call out Jeff Daniels and his plaid dad shirt surrounded by doors. Yeah. Well, yeah there he were was so in, many doors. He around. was in the fifth spare bedroom of his house, right? <laughs> he picked the least nice room to be in. So, um, in terms of winners, I think we should start talking about winners and, and maybe some disappointments. Um, were there any big standout surprise winners uh, that you guys noticed? I was actually pleasantly surprised uh, to get Jason Sudeikis uh, with his win uh, as best actor in a TV series, musical or comedy. Um, just because, again, like, and say what you will about his hoodie or his ability to give a speech. I don't think he was actually really expecting. No, he wasn't. Uh, That's, to win in that moment. That was actually right? what was what's really nice about his speech. It felt very yeah. off the cuff because he didn't anticipate a win. I, I now, he clearly didn't anticipate a win. Yes. Now, was he merely surprised or had he been dabbling in um, some greenery before <laughs> you think he was high that as a kite, happened? Eh? He, I think he was higher than a kite. He was high as really? a hot air balloon. He was pretty. Oh, for him. He looked pretty ripped. You know, I mean, to get through the to get through the entire Golden Globes, like, you you know, I don't blame him. Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> the other one that I was really happy to see was um, Soul. And I don't think it was necessarily a surprise given the the other uh, movies for for best animated. Um, but, you know, I was really, 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 really happy uh, that they got Kemp Powers, you know, um, on on the screen. Right. Like they actually brought up a video uh, on an iPad of, of Kemp Powers. Um, so I was just happy to see that you know, still happening. Cause I think that movie was, he put so much into that movie and, and to make sure that, um, he put his soul you know, into that movie. He put his, oh. he put his, he put his soul into that movie. But I think, I think it was just really because he put so much into the movie to ensure that it, it resonated with black audiences and that it, it put that culture at the forefront, right? Like, and especially from Pixar. Um, so I was just really happy that, that, you know, even though, uh, Pete doctor was, the one accepting the award that they they still got that iPad video in there. Well, and I, but I heard that there was a little bit of controversy surrounding that just because he didn't hear that he was even a nominee until the day of because oh, I guess in the past okay. co-directors or co-producers, I'm not sure which were uh, directors, co-directors. Yeah, yeah, co-directors typically wouldn't get recognized and so, you know, it that seems like a big oversight in that regard, you know. But but I mean look at but I mean again leave it to a, a company like Pixar to be aware of that and then to make sure that that doesn't matter you know what I mean very like true still, very true he still gets his speech so uh, my favorite part of of Soul the part I attached myself to the most was the music aspect of it and that yeah. really was such a strong part of that that film so I, I'm glad that that got appreciated it attached to my soul yes geez. <laughs> Justin, I'm doing Cheadle. the Don Cheadle right now. I'm asking you to move on, okay? 
one more surprise for me was uh, Borat doing yeah. uh, doing well there. I did not really. I mean, the the, the musical I'm comedy surprised. category is tough just because. What were the nominees again? Sense. Sorry, uh, they were uh, Borat, subsequent movie film Hamilton, which is an interesting choice in and of itself. There was music. Uh, no, thank you. Uh, Palm Springs and The Prom. So honestly, the only other one that kind of even deserved it was Palm Springs. And that's and that's not saying Hamilton isn't great. I just don't think that filming a play counts as a movie. I, I agree. It, there's, there's, it's not like it was Les Mis. Like at least with Les Mis, it was like actually like recreating the events and, and embedding the musical touch, right? But Hamilton was like, filmed on a stage without an audience like it's like i i don't like don't get me wrong i'm the play's great and and the music's great and whatnot i just don't know if it fits in this it felt like a documentary more so than anything else do you know what i mean like it, well, but it, it's it, just it, a it was, play on camera it's like when you, you can see shakespeare or opera at the the local cineplex like yeah that right. doesn't count as a movie it's just a if you saw a u2 concert live at this theater would that count for best movie i don't know it's weird why do they put the musical and comedy in the same like I, is it to save time <laughs> like at this point like is that the only reason because like palm springs and borat subsequent movie f- film don't really deserve to be musicals and the other ones i don't really see as comedies you know what i mean like i don't but it's musical or comedy it's musical or comedy and i think it's to give films that don't necessarily carry the weight of something like a nomad land or a mank or the father you know it gives other films a chance to be recognized as the best of its kind but yeah lumping comedies and musicals over off to the side and then every other thing you know yeah it's it's tough now minari won though for best was it best foreign language Yes. It, it won in the foreign picture category rather than in like a best picture or... Which which when you're nominated for foreign language film, you can't be in best picture. And after watching this movie, the movie takes place in Arkansas. It's filmed in Arkansas. Yeah, but it doesn't... The, the, the creator is American. The fact that they're... Yes, I get it. It's a foreign language. They're speaking Korean for a, a bunch of the film. But the movie takes place and is made in Italy. It even says USA when they were announcing it. It doesn't make any sense that it's in this foreign language category. I don't know. That that rubbed me the wrong way. It's a Golden Globes thing. Oh, at Golden the Globes, Globes you can't. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Thank Which you is, for... Again, there you go, Hollywood Foreign Press. Yeah. Like, come on, change these things. Uh, well, uh, I'm sure if Minari hadn't won, Nate, you would have been disappointed. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, were there any disappointments in terms of... Were you rooting for anybody that didn't that didn't pull it off? Uh, over I was kind of rooting for Palm Springs. I thought that movie was great. Uh you know, I, I liked Borat. It was funny, yeah. but it wasn't like I could see because of its political relevance and and because it existed s- like so much in the now, it being recognized as as being the better. But I think uh, I think Palm Springs had a really you know had a fun, endearing story while you know also having you know just a good laugh. It was an original story versus just a sequel to a movie yeah. that didn't get this kind of recognition when it came out and was probably better, in my opinion, than yeah, this one. Yeah, I would one. say that. I would agree with you. Yes. Yeah, and I think uh, another disappointment for me, it was a long shot anyways, so I I, I can't say I'm surprised, but uh, I was rooting for Ted Lasso to win uh, for best uh, TV series comedy. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Yeah. I thought Shit Creek already sort of got its recognition at all the awards last year, you know? And so I didn't think it would clean up the way it did again. 
I also was just really disappointed uh, that The Mandalorian didn't take home best TV drama. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm just too much of a Star Wars fan to let that, that one slide I'm glad by. It was, I'm it glad was it was there. nominated. Yeah. We got a Star Wars thing nominated. Um, I also, like, again, and I, I love the music of Soul. Um, I think Ludwig Gordonson and his work on Tenet was just... I think that soundtrack is way better than the movie. Yeah, um, So I was, I was also kind of rooting for him on that one. It was kind of... You know, a bittersweet thing. I was really happy that that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and John Batiste won that. But, um, but no, I think I think for me, I was also really really pulling for uh, for Jason Bateman for best actor in drama series. But I think Justin, to your point, he has won a lot of Golden Globes uh, for the series already. Uh, I know he kind of. I think they cleaned up. Uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before. So, um, so yeah, I, I uh, I'd say that's all. Of, that's about it. Otherwise, I, again, I didn't I didn't know a lot of the things that I was rooting for <laughs> at certain points. Or, yeah, or that was for. that was tough. Yeah. Eh? It's, you, you think you watch a lot, and then you realize you don't watch a tenth <laughs> of what's out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of that, like my, you know, uh, you you mentioned Bateman, and and you know, for the Crown to win so much, and I'm and I'm just disappointed because it's obviously a very good show that I just can't picture myself sitting down to watch so i just know i'm missing something good but it's like i don't care i just i can't see myself getting invested in it uh very well deserving queen's gambit i was thrilled for that one yes i was so happy to see that and to see anya taylor joy win best actress as well like i think those were that was that i literally like fist pumped in the air for that because that show is just yeah, so so well done yeah that was that was until ted lasso came around my streaming show of the year and so um, yeah, I was happy to see that as well. Uh, well, I think the main purpose of the Globes uh, is almost to get us primed for the Oscars. You know, it's almost uh, it's some sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of gauge as to where nominations might come from. And I believe uh, we should expect those as early as later this week, but uh, probably by next week as the show is going to be end of April. So, Based on what we saw happen uh, at the Globes, uh, do you have any sort of expectations for things that are going to win at the Oscars as well as mm-hmm. at the Globes? Uh, or do you have any predictions for for how it's going to be a bit different in the, uh, the, in the, in the in the case of the winners? Oh, in case of the winners, I feel like if anything, if 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 it, if it has the opportunity to be different, is how it's presented. I hope that the Oscars have at least watched what happened here with the Golden Globes and tried to figure out a better method uh, of how they might be able to pull this off, um, so that either they they can make it quicker, <laughs> and uh, they can focus on on what needs to just happen. I feel like hopefully they'll they'll learn from that. If anything, though, this this solidifies this this whole award of the Golden Globes solidifies certain movies that I definitely need to check out, like uh, uh, No Man Land. Minari, Mank. I feel like these might. You don't be... need to check that one out. It's fine. Really? Eh? You didn't like it? <laughs> oh, yeah. that was that was down there for me. It was slow and boring and uninteresting. Okay. So I, I was heard... glad that they didn't get any awards last uh, the yeah. other night. If I'm being honest. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's. <laughs> yeah, it didn't get any. Uh, but yeah, I just feel like and Father. Like I really want to check this one out with with uh, Anthony Hopkins and see. Uh, what that's all about it, you know there it it does kind of set a precedence for what the movies are but i guess we'll wait and see what's nominated that'll kind of really dictate and finalize what needs to be watched yeah and i'm i'm hoping like speaking of doing it differently maybe you know what they do they get a bunch of 
uh, iPads on on mannequins and just have all the celebrities still in the crowds, but through a Zoom call somehow. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. that would I'm be so spooky. Um, but I think I think we're gonna you know we're gonna still see we're gonna see a lot of Sorkin. Um, I think we're gonna see. Um, oh, yeah, you know, Soul I think is going to definitely uh, win, win, win animated as well. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see, kind of again, like what what is mirrored in the uh, in the event. Um, but I also like just to quickly go off of some of the movies that I, I hope do get nominated, and and I you know I'm going to watch regardless, just based off those Golden Globes, like Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, I definitely want to check out One Night in Miami. Yes, uh, I already watched Minari. Uh, Nomadland, Father, the the Moritur, I can, I can never pronounce it, Morita, Mauritanian, I believe it's called, um, and uh, and then Sound of Metal, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar because when they came up on the stage, no. I was like, you know what, I'll give these two a few minutes. You That's would fine. watch that for more than the two you, minutes they were on stage dude, for? Oh boy, <laughs> I've heard so many good things about this movie. Kevin, I listen. Give it a chance. Give it a chance. Come on. If I didn't like two minutes, why am I going to like an hour and a half? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I will say, you know, we were talking earlier about how do you shorten the show to allow people time to speak. But I think, and I was going to say, suggest, do you really need to go through and give each of the nominees for best picture, uh, you know, that that two minute clip of what the film's about and everything? And I think, you know. Uh, not only does it give the movie the recognition it deserves, but it also does give people who maybe never even heard of that movie. Like I hadn't really even heard of the father. And now after watching the clip and seeing what it's about and who's in it and and the performances look very, you know, stellar, I was like, I'm going to check that out. And so it's almost beneficial that they Mm -hmm. do that sort of thing to sort of, again, it's all about exposing, you know, some these, the the best films in the world to as many eyes as possible. And so Mm -hmm. there were, you guys mentioned it. uh, There were a lot that I saw that I hadn't thought about checking out that I, I think I certainly will, especially if they get nominated, you know, just so I can, you know, form an opinion on them myself. And, and, uh, and so, you know, to do a pool, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily work the same way, but I am looking forward to now checking out what I think is going to be worth it uh, to get ready for our big, uh, Oscar pool round two that we'll do this year. Um, but before that, I will make some predictions now for what I I, I think we're going to see. Sorkin will win again for best screenplay. I think Sasha will win again, but for the, for the other role that he was nominated for and snubbed in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I think there's going to be an upset in the animated category. Really? Yeah, I think Wolf Walkers is going to walk away with that one. No. Yep. No, I yep. watched it. It's not. No? No. Okay, already proven me wrong. And then <laughs> I think what didn't happen at the Globes will happen at the Oscars. I just don't know what category yet. But I think Promising Young Woman will win an award. I'm, I'm just going to say any award. That way I've got sure. all my bases covered, okay? <laughs> but remember, right. you heard it here first. Well, hopefully we can be a little more specific on our actual predictions episode. Yes. <laughs> As opposed we s- to just, they'll win an award. <laughs> I think we certainly will be. Uh, all right. Well, it looks like we are running long in time here, and we do not want to be as long as the Golden Globes themselves. I think Don no. Cheadle <laughs> just popped up here and has given us the uh, the rolly yeah. finger to close yeah, things off, gentlemen. He's doing it again. So doing I, it again. I think we'll, we'll, we'll end on a high note here. 
Uh, so that's another episode in the books for Geek Centric. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Um, and be sure to leave us a rating. Uh, just a reminder, uh, five stars is the only way we're ever going to get a Golden Globe. So please help us out there. <laughs> uh, um, we are Geek Centric and you can be too, which means you can also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com Geek Centric. As we mentioned earlier in the program, our newest video has dropped the latest edition of Kev at Home. So be sure to check that out. Uh, had a lot of fun putting that one together. And you can also follow us on Twitter at GeekCentricYT and on Instagram at WeAreGeekCentric. And don't forget, you can always catch Nate's live gaming stream at twitch.tv slash NatePlaysGames. Go say hi, hang out, watch him play some games. What's on the schedule coming up, Nate? I mean, we've been just rocking that, uh, that Super Mario... Uh, 3D world multiplayer. We're getting we're getting friends in uh, guests. So if you don't wanna, you know if you want to hear other people, but listen, uh, a a, li- a viewer from Indonesia uh, who came onto my stream uh, it was super super cool that, that I've got people from Indonesia, people from Ireland uh, chiming in, talking to me, um, tuning in regularly. But I had a, a viewer from Indonesia who uh, I was singing on stream, and he's like, "You should make that a channel rewards thing. You could call it Serenate." Uh, and so, so now I've got a, a serenade me channel reward. So if you watch my channel enough, you'll earn some Nate coins that you can spend on that. And, uh, and yeah, I'll sing to you. I'll sing your name. I'll sing, you know, whatever you want. Well, and just as always, you are, uh, the man behind the scenes making all of this, uh, come together, uh, with your magical touch. So as always, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, but boys, thank you so much for your award worthy performances this evening. And uh, (laughs) folks, be sure to also tune in for our uh, eighth uh, edition of the Watch Club for WandaVision, covering the ninth and final episode. Um, You know, by the time you're listening to this, you'll... uh, have seen all the shocks and awes and surprises, and we uh, we really hope they uh, live up to everyone's expectations. But until then, as we always say, love ya. Stay home safe, guys. Peace. <laughs>